Thanks for joining me on this Cleveland baseball morning. The final from Comerica Ballpark in Detroit. It's the Detroit Tigers 3, the Cleveland Indians 2. The Indians lose opening day. I'm Davey Barris, lifelong Cleveland baseball fan, and I want to talk about the actual game on the field, the thing I enjoy watching baseball being played. And I was so optimistic going into opening day. And that's what opening day is for. Opening day is for optimism, right? The possibilities of spring. Anything is possible this summer. And unfortunately, the Indians dash our hopes on opening day. But you know what? This is not a podcast for overreactions. This is a podcast for normal reactions, right? These things are happening all over baseball right now. Guess what? If you are a fan of the Yankees, you also lost 3-2. to two. You lost 3-2 to two in extra innings. You also scored your only two runs on a two-run home run. Guess what? If you're a fan of the Atlanta Braves, you also lost 3-2 to two to the Phillies. Those are two World Se- considered World Series contending teams. Guess what? They also lost 3-2. to two. So, no overreactions here, just normal reactions. We're going to talk about the game. We're going to get into the details. And we're going to talk baseball because you know what? It's fun that baseball is back and these numbers matter. That's right, Shane Bieber's 12 strikeouts, they now matter, they now count. Hey, if you're enjoying the show, please help it grow by leaving a rating and review on whatever app you are listening on, especially if you're on Apple Podcasts. Help the show grow by letting people know what it's all about and how much we love baseball here on Cleveland Baseball Mornings. All right, so one of the things we are going to do this year is we are going to talk storylines. What were some of the storylines that stood out during the game? Because that's what baseball is about. You, you don't think of it that way, right? You think of it now about highlights. You think of it now as home runs and strikeouts. But there are a lot of storylines that go on throughout the course of a game. And for the Indians, it was Shane Bieber locking in just an inning or two too late, right? His fastball was up. His fastball was high in the zone to start the game. He was really having trouble bringing it down. It looked like he had pretty good command of his breaking pitches, but he even said after the game that he's got to work on getting that fastball down and locked in early, and it cost him. It cost him early to Miguel Cabrera, the nemesis of the Cleveland Indians. How many times have we seen Miguel Cabrera hit big home runs against us, and he did not disappoint the Detroit Tigers fans The brave fans who were sitting in the middle of a blizzard in Detroit. It turned out to be a beautiful day. If you catch a highlight, if you catch Roberto Perez's highlight from the end of the game, you will not believe Miguel Cabrera's highlight from the beginning of the game. And the Detroit Tigers got a great slow-mo shot of this that they posted on social media. And it's it's almost a whiteout. It's it's amazing that they they could have just delayed the game by an hour and been in perfectly good weather, but they decided to play right at one o'clock. And Bieber was working the count against him. I think it was a 2-2 count. And he threw a fastball high and away at the letters to Miguel Cabrera. And that, you don't do that. That's exactly what he's waiting for. And I'm sure Bieber knew it the minute he let go of the ball. And Miguel Cabrera did what he does almost. He's getting close to 500 home runs. And he puts it over the right field wall. Josh Naylor looked like he might have had a play on it, but ended up running into the wall and not getting a jump, you know, wasn't in position to jump for the ball, and it ends up hitting the railing just over the line. I confused Miguel Cabrera. He ends up sliding into second base, which was kind of funny, but it goes for a two-run home run. This is in the first inning. This is Miguel Cabrera's first at-bat of the season, a new and improved and in-shape Miguel Cabrera who's playing first base now, who's making diving stops at first base against Josh Naylor grounders. 
Uh, so yes, yeah, so Miguel Cabrera gets things off early, and so the storyline is Shane Bieber having to lock in. And does he lock in? Absolutely. He ended up with two strikeouts in that first inning, and he goes on to strike out 12 guys throughout the game, and he did it with a combination of the slider, that new slider that he's going to be mixing in, that classic Shane Bieber curveball. How can I call it classic? This is his third season. It's a classic curveball already. It's definitely the pitch he will be known for. And that really sharp, high fastball. And then there's a difference. There's a difference between missing high with your fastball and locating high with your fastball when you're going for that strikeout. And he got a couple of good strikeouts. He got one that was, I mean, at the shoulders, at the, at the chin of the batter, and he got him to swing through it. I can't remember exactly who swung through that one for the strikeout. But, yeah, Shane Bieber really was able to find it. Unfortunately, it was too late. Unfortunately, it was too late into the game. The Tigers were able to get a lead, and they were able to hold that lead. And uh, so, yeah, so Shane Bieber ends up actually taking the loss in this game despite how well he pitched. And it was impressive watching him mix the slider in You wonder, what's the difference, right? Well, if you go look back, look at the highlight of all his strikeouts that they string together, and you can see the difference. You can see how that slider kind of spins and how it's got a a tight, sharp movement to it, whereas that curveball just bottoms out. And as the hitter, you're up there, you see spin on the ball, right? Maybe you pick up that there's spin on the ball. Before, maybe you're thinking, I see that spin, I can let it go, or or I know it's going to be that curveball. Now you see that spin on the ball, it could drop, it could bottom out, or it could break down and into the lefties away from the righties. And that is a really challenging thing now for hitters to have to try to pick up against Shane Bieber. I wish I had more detailed stats on where his pitch location was. To be honest with you, I'm actually recording this late Thursday night. I'm not recording this on Friday morning. So that's right. It's Cleveland baseball nightly now. And, uh, None of this, none of the websites have any of the the data available yet. So, uh, baseball savant or Fangraphs or any of them. So, I don't have specific data on it, but I guarantee you, throughout the season, we will be talking pitch location and things like that. So that was the first storyline. Uh, the next storyline for the Indians, they started two guys who you did not expect to be in the starting lineup. Especially, I guarantee you, back in February, you didn't think so. Yu Chang gets the start at first base, and Jordan Luplo gets the start in center field and leading off, which really surprised people. And it's because the uh, Tigers were starting a left-handed pitcher. It's that simple. Matt Boyd, Matthew Boyd, was starting for the Tigers. You know, a uh, uh, lefty who was highly touted at one point, really struggled last season, but the Tigers still had enough faith in him that he could come around and be their opening day starter. So it's still someone the Tigers have high hopes on. So what did the Indians do? They counter this lefty starter by starting two of their right-handed hitters. And Francona said he didn't want to start Rosario in uh, Comerica Ballpark because that center field is ridiculous. So he put Luplo out there. And the reason Luplo hit leadoff, there's two reasons. Number one, Cesar Hernandez said, I prefer hitting second. I, I they it, they said that during the broadcast. You know, Underwood and Manning said that during the broadcast. Cesar Hernandez went to Francona, said, "I feel comfortable in the two hole. I'd like to hit there." So he has to find another leadoff hitter, and he went with Jordan Luplo because the theory is your leadoff hitter is going to have the most at bats, 
possible against that starting pitcher. If he hits Luke Blow seventh, if he hits him eighth, ninth, he may only get one at bat, two at bats maybe against that starter. And the whole reason he's starting is because what he, in theory, projects to do against that left-handed starter. So by hitting him leadoff, you increase the amount of at-bats he could have against that starter. And that's what happened. It just didn't happen for the Indian success. You know, it just didn't work. The results weren't there, but what Francona was setting up by setting his lineup this way did happen. So Luplo does get three at-bats against the starter, Matthew Boyd. And now he goes 0 for 3, he strikes out and hits into a double play. So were the results there? No. But in theory, if you're playing the numbers and you're playing the percentages and the stats, that's the advantage you're trying to put out there that you're trying to give yourself. And I mean, Chang only got two at-bats, right? Chang was hitting 7th. Yu Chang only gets two at-bats against Matthew Boyd. What could he have done? They pulled Matthew Boyd, in fact, as he was about to face Chang, which made them then pinch hit Jake Bowers, which also didn't work. Eventually, in that spot, in the seventh spot, Ahmed Rosario does get a hit, which leads to a run in the ninth inning, but we will get there. So yeah, so that's what Francona was trying to do today, and it didn't work. The right-handed hitters did not have that success against the left-handed pitching, and the Tigers have too many lefties in their pen, so when the left-handed hitters were in the game and there was no one left on the bench to go to, uh, they were very effective against our hitters. So, uh, yeah, Chang went 0 for 2. He uh, he flew out to center field and then popped out with uh, runners in scoring position. He did have a chance. Yu Chang, after uh, Josh Naylor hit that ground ball that Miguel Cabrera made the diving stop on, it set up runners at first and third with two outs, and he got Yu Chang to pop out. Yu Chang could have come up with runners in scoring position again later in the game, but instead they go to the lefty out, the righty out of the pen and then pinch hit Jake Bowers. I was really hoping for Chang to get one more shot at it, but they take, a, they take the starter out of the game right there with the matchup against Chang. So yeah, so it's, you know, baseball is a, ch- a game of chess sometimes between those managers when it comes to hitters and pitchers and lefties and righties, and Francona lost that game of chess today. That's it's it's that simple, and uh, he put his players in position to succeed, and it just didn't happen today. Which leads to the third storyline. The third storyline coming out of this game is that the Indians had chances. They absolutely had chances. They got runners in the scoring position multiple times against Matthew Boyd, and just couldn't deliver on it. They end up going uh, 0 for six with runners in scoring position. They end up leaving nine runners on base total. And pretty much everybody in the lineup had a chance with runners on base. Hernandez, Jose Ramirez, he popped out. He was really mad at himself for popping out in an RBI situation. Cesar Hernandez uh, starts the game with a double into the left field, not in the left field corner, but to the left field wall, a really sharp hit double. And Jose Ramirez and Eddie Rosario both have a chance to bring him in and can't get it done. That would have been interesting. If they could have put that run across in the first inning and started the season with a run in the first inning, what would that have done to the momentum on offense? That would have been really interesting. Um, yeah, and there's multiple times. Like I said, Josh Naylor, Famil Reyes all got chances with runners in scoring position, and it just didn't happen. And it wasn't the strikeouts today. There was, seemed like a lot of pop-ups. Uh, Yu Chang uh, popped up in foul territory 
Uh, somebody else also in this game popped up. I think Cesar Hernandez popped up in foul territory with a runner in scoring position. So, yeah, there was actually a lot of pop-ups and fly-outs um, to kind of end rallies, you know, when we had a chance, when we had guys in scoring position. I guess you can't call it a rally yet if you don't put a run across. So that was the other storyline. There were chances. There were absolutely chances there for the Indians' offense to break open, and they just could not get it done today. The good news is we get two more games against Detroit, and uh, we'll see. We'll see if the Indians' offense has a different result against a different one of their pitchers. They're going to be facing a righty uh, in their next game, so look for Jake Bowers to be in the lineup. Look for Ben Gamble to probably be in the starting lineup. Get those left-handed bats in there against the righty. I don't know. I, I know we're all worried about this offense, and it feel it felt the whole game like we were stuck in that 2020 offense still, right? This offense that just can't seem to really get going. Like You feel like once every four days they're going to go off for 10 runs, and then they're going to be right back to this two runs or less thing for the next three days. That's what it feels like right now. I, I can't blame you if you're feeling that right now because the offense really showed no pop today. I mean, there were only a couple of really hard-hit balls today. Uh, speaking of hard-hit balls, we did get a chance in the ninth inning, right? Uh, Ahmed Rosario pinch hits. He gets a single into the middle. I think it was a broken bat single up the middle. And he gets on base, and that brings up Roberto Perez. And I had a feeling. I, I swear to God, I was sitting there watching it at work, and I had a feeling that Roberto Perez might tag one. And he did. He hits one out to left field, way back and gone. And suddenly the Indians have life. Suddenly there's possibility. I'm, I can't even keep up tweeting with how fast the game's going all of a sudden. And uh, it was literally the only excitement. I mean, watching Shane Bieber strike out guys is fun, but it wasn't. You don't get that same rush from when your team suddenly puts runs across in the ninth inning, in the top of the ninth inning, and. Uh, Roberto Perez, the big two-run home run. He also walked twice. Roberto Perez was on base technically three times today. Definitely the top offensive contributor for the Indians. And he gave us a chance. But after that, Jimenez and then uh, Gamble actually works a walk. But then Cesar Hernandez flies out to end the game. Actually pops out to deep, uh, shallow right field to end the game. And that's it. That's all the Indians got. And uh, it was just Roberto Perez. So MVP for the day, I am going with Roberto Perez. Yes, Shane Bieber's strikeouts were very impressive. But come on, last opening day, he struck out 14. He only got 12. Come on, Shane. Totally sarcastic there. Roberto Perez gets MVP for the day because he gave the Indians the best chance to win the game, really. he he Two walks and a home run is a really good day at the plate for Roberto Perez. So, yeah, MVP for the day, and we'll see. We'll see if this is the type of season where Roberto Perez can make some magic happen from the bottom of the lineup. I I remember plenty of uh, catchers hitting at the bottom of the Indians lineup that just could make enough magic every now and then to get the Indians a win, to do something incredible in the ninth inning or extra innings, and maybe, maybe this is the year. Maybe this is the year that Roberto Perez really brings it on offense when it matters. We know Roberto Perez is not going to be a 300 hitter, right? We're all aware of that. But maybe he could be clutch. Maybe he can really deliver when it matters. 
and do something special, hitting primarily out of the eighth spot in this lineup. I guarantee he's probably not going to hit any higher than seventh the entire season. Digging into the rest of the box score, really not a bad performance by Shane Bieber. He only goes six innings, five hits, three earned runs, three walks, and 12 strikeouts with that home run allowed. He threw 95 pitches, and I had a feeling he was not going to go any further than the sixth inning. His pitch count seemed high in the fifth. I knew that I figured they would let him back out for the sixth, but that was probably going to be his last inning. And that is something we'll have to see. Now, most starters don't go deep on opening day. It's pretty hard to go deep on opening day. There's a lot of buildup and a lot of pressure to that day, so you end up throwing a lot of pitches, and guys are battling and having good at-bats. So, yeah, so and striking out guys. When you strike out guys, you have to throw a lot of pitches. So it'll be something to see if Shane Bieber can work deeper into games. I looked back at the numbers from 2020, and I think he averaged around six and a third innings per start. So can he get that a little bit higher? Can he get closer to averaging seven innings a start? I think that would be big. Uh, being the ace of the staff, I think it would be big if he could go deep into games. So we'll see. We'll see. It didn't matter for the Indians today because Brian Shaw came in out of the bullpen. Yes, Brian Shaw is probably going to pitch a lot of innings for the Indians. Uh, I think you're probably more comfortable with Brian Shaw pitching right now in a game where we're losing 3 nothing than in a game when we were winning 3 nothing. You probably you might not have seen Brian Shaw in that situation. I don't know. Francona loves him. Maybe you would. Uh, and then Karen Check comes in and pitches the eighth. They both a walk a guy, but have clean innings other than that with one strikeout. Both of them, one inning, one walk, one strikeout. So the bullpen definitely did its job of keeping the game tight and keeping us within striking distance at least, right? Three nothing, it's within striking distance. It's still technically a save situation. Speaking of that, for the Tigers, Boyd gets the win. Five and two-thirds, three hits, no runs, four walks, and only two strikeouts. So not a terribly dominant performance by Boyd, but he got the job done. Like I said, every time the Indians came up with runners in scoring position, he got the job done. He deserves the win for that. Uh, You know, people, (laughs) we're going to get into this throughout the podcast, but people love discounting the old stats, right? Wins for pitchers, RBIs for hitters. They do sometimes have significance still. Most of the time, yes, they don't mean anything. Every now and then, they still can tell you a little bit something about the game. And what it tells me about this game is that Matthew Boyd did enough to earn that win. He earned it. When the, when the runners were in scoring position, when the Indians had chance chances, he got the job done and earned that win. All right, That's when a win matters. Uh, Cisnero then comes in, Daniel Norris comes in, they both get holds, and then Soto, even though he gives up the two-run home run and a walk, still gets the save, still gets out of it. Again, where a save matters, he got out of it, right? He was in trouble. He was able to get his team off the field with a W. So that's how it went down in the box score. And, uh, yeah, things that are going on around baseball right now uh, are pretty screwy. I mean, things you wouldn't believe. Uh, the Rockies beat the Dodgers 8-5. to Like I said, the Braves go down. The Pirates beat the Cubs 5-3. to The Brewers end up walking off in extra innings against the Twins. The Twins had a chance in that game. They were up 5-2 to in that game. They let the Brewers back in the game. So the Twins are also 0-1 to start the season. 
So yeah, so uh, the Padres, they end up beating the Diamondbacks, but not a great start for you, Darvish. Clayton Kershaw's line looks terrible. Clayton Kershaw ended up giving up 10 hits in five and two-thirds innings. Only two strikeouts for Clayton Kershaw. For you, uh, Darvish over there at the Padres, he goes four and two-thirds, eight hits, four runs, six strikeouts. He also has a no decision. Opening day is screwy. Do not overreact to opening day. Let's see how the rest of this series goes. Take a deep breath. Come back on Saturday. Remember, they're off today. Come back on Saturday, and let's run it back. Let's see how the Indians do in that one. And hopefully by then we'll, we'll see some stuff on Baseball Savant. We'll be able to get into some details and some stats and really dig into hopefully the first Indians win of the season. Because even though we lost opening day, I am going to stay optimistic this weekend. I am going to enjoy the first weekend of Indians baseball that actually means something. And uh, the weather's going to warm up. And hopefully that means the Indians bats warm up too. That's all we can hope for, right? The pitching was there today. The bats were... Apologize for the pun, ice cold, right? They were absolutely ice cold. That's all my thoughts. Thanks for joining me on this Cleveland baseball morning. Again, the final from Detroit. It's the Tigers 3, the Indians 2. We'll be back on Sunday morning to cover that Saturday game. It's going to be Plesak on the mound for the Indians against Julio Tehran for the Tigers. You can follow me on Twitter at Davey Barris. You can now email the show at clevelandbaseballmornings at gmail.com. Let me know your thoughts on the game, and we'll discuss them on the show. Also, I'm hosting this podcast on Anchor. So if you go to anchor.fm forward slash clevelandbaseballmornings, you can leave a voicemail for the show. We'll play them back on the air, respond to your thoughts, and we'll have a fun conversation amongst the fans about baseball. So thanks again for joining me on this Cleveland Baseball Morning.